Okay, so uh, if you put the those baubles over there, and uh, we'll get this we'll get the lights out. We we'll need to check all the LED bulbs in as well. Make sure each one's sort of ready to go. And I th oh yeah, that they seem to be working. So we'll wrap those round the tree. Grand. And have you got any decorations that you want to put on? Anything that means anything to you, particularly you'd like to put on the the giant brain tree? Twenty five kilos of tinsel. I've just twenty five kilos of tinsel. That's a lot of tinsel. It's necessary, I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean it, the the tree does look a bit bare. I, I agree. It does, does. Yeah, it's looks looking a little uh, sore. Yeah, it's very tall and not very bushy. Yeah, it's, it it is weird that way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, oh, well. but let's just drop the tinsel straight on. Yeah, I, I think so. I think. Uh, I think Ow! Can I have a pee break now? Well, you, you said you'd gone before we started this. And, yeah, well, I need to go we, again. And the interns forgot to buy a tree, so. You're our best bet, really. So, oh, just stay there till January. Look, we'll get the, the we'll get the brainwaves doctor to put a catheter. Yeah, okay, we can afford a doctor. Well, the janitor says he could do this sort of thing. Uh, the humiliation. Well, you know that's what you signed up for, really. It's not what I signed up for. What I signed up for is the podcast. By the way, are we doing that today or not? Yes, indeed. This is Brainwaves episode 62, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 7th of December, 2020. New award to promote diverse voices in war games. Gamma Wars modified. And games get shipped to the ocean floor. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. First up, we've got Jamie reporting on a new award in war games. Yes, I've dusted off my Homburg of Award news, planted it firmly on my head, and I'm here to announce that the Zenobia Award has been launched, a new scheme and mentorship program aimed at increasing and opening access to underrepresented minorities in historical tabletop games design. Several applicants will be selected and matched with publishers, who will then be able to give aid and guidance to create and develop a prototype over several months. And at the end of the process, judges will pick three winners who will receive $4,000 and offers of assistance in pitching games to publishers. The scheme was set up by a series of very notable names in war games who noted the lack of diversity in the industry and say the Zenobia Award is for everyone who is not a white, male, straight, usually academic, and often a part-time dabbler in spurious facial hair. Thank goodness I'm not looking in the mirror right now. But then again, I'm not on the board for the Zenobia Award. Now, some of these names you might know, such as Cole Verla, best known right now for a little game called Root. Oh, very popular here. Uh, Jason Matthews, designing games such as Twilight Struggle, 1960, and Imperial Struggle. But also really well-respected individuals such as Jessica Cassidy, lead developer of Lovelace and Babbage, or Morgan Guyon Retti, my apologies if I've pronounced that name horribly wrong, who is, well, excellent. She's developed coin games, parts of Pendragon, and working on a new game called Hubris, Twilight of the Hellenistic World. And uh, Natalia Wojcevich, who is currently a lecturer at the Hague University of Applied Sciences uh, in Safety and Security Management Services, has worked with NATO and focuses on the introduction of the civilian population into wargaming to create new formats representative of modern war. 
this is a fantastic like table of judges i don't know what i don't know please send us your thoughts i mean guys what do you it's think about really it? quite impressive so some of the people on that board are just yeah extremely impressive individuals yeah it's and it's it's really nice to see that this has been set up it's also incredibly indicative of the fact that this has had to be set up with such you know pomp and circumstance because it is a severe problem in wargaming it's a problem on award boards in general that most of the board tends to be white male straight because that is the majority of the makeup of gamers as well so yeah it's good to see uh, an award coming out that's lifting people up uh, from the bipoc lgbtq plus communities uh, into a traditionally white male dominated area of gaming and we'd love to see more of that kind of thing on awards boards for other uh, other awards like i don't know spiel for instance comes instantly to mind uh, the format of the award is absolutely incredible as well because it's it's not just pointing at three people and saying these these three people have made a good game it's a year's worth of mentorship with specific publishers to create and develop a prototype and then at the end of it three people get four grand each and assistance in um, pushing these games towards publishers. I mean, it's going to result in a whole number of really great war games, specifically from people who are not in the not white gents in the industry. It's, I love it. I just love it. It is. It as yeah. It's it's wonderful. And you know, four thousand dollars is not messing around money. Yeah. Uh, no, indeed. Thanks to the fine folks at Dicebreaker who uh, put up this story, which captivated our eye. Uh, but their report said, you know, designers who identify as women, BIPOC, LGBTQ+, or any other groups largely ignored in the historical tabletop space are encouraged to apply for the award. Additionally, the application is free and does not tie designers into a contract with any specific publisher, which is very nice. So I am right now adding the Zenobia Award to the uh, award calendar that I'm going to keep a very close eye on. So you have definitely not heard the last of it from me. Or any of us at Brainwaves, for that matter. Yeah, quite frankly, I think this is the best award in the industry right now. Oh, absolutely. Now, speaking of awards, we have more award news, but I'm actually not going to do it this time. I am going to pass it over to my very good friend, Mr. Ian Chandler. Thank you for the award humber, Jamie. Very kind of you. Gamma, the Game Manufacturers Association, an influential body across the industry side of the hobby has added new categories to the Origins Award cap for their 2020-2021 cycle, which brings the total up from the kind of weird categories that they had, of which there were 10, to 14 awards in total, which is a lot better. There are two new board game awards, the Best Party or Light Game and the Best Heavy or Strategy Game, which adds to their existing board game categories of Best Board Game slash General Game Best card game, best family game, and best historical game. The RPG award has been split into three total categories. The best family or general RPG, the best fantasy RPG, and the best sci-fi RPG. And as we all know, general, sci-fi, and fantasy are the three categories of everything. What do you reckon, Ian and Jamie? Oh, I know Ian's, I know Ian's got opinions on this. <laughs> I do have opinions. Like, I... I, I, I... I see what they're trying to do. Like, there's, they're recognizing the fact that RPGs are a massive piece of growth for the industry at the moment, and they're wanting to striate the rewards a bit more and, and make it a bit more nuanced. I totally get that. 
and I could see a category of like best family RPG, you know, like an RPG that would actually appeal for like parents running for their kids or appeal to a younger generation more. I can understand that. But what does general RPG mean? I've I've literally no idea. Like most RPGs I can think of snugly fit into fantasy or sci-fi pretty much. Well then I believe it is I believe it is time for those for the role-playing games to break out of the mold of either fantasy or science fiction and forge its own new path. I can totally see that and, and maybe the award will encourage people to break out of those particular categories and that would be a good thing but it it just seems like I don't know I don't know if they're putting the cart before the horse a wee bit here. I think you should at least give it a chance for its first yeah I agree year of of extended categories. Fine, we'll, become, we'll revisit this when the awards come out. Uh, do you see this Homburg? We'll see. Do you see this Homburg on Ian's head? Is that going anywhere? No, it's not. Of course we'll come back to this. Uh, notably, the board games still have the best general game category as well, which I don't think is too odd in the board games, so it'll probably fit. No, that may, that's a little bit... I can understand that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. What's the general game? So, um, speaking of games, Ian McAllister. Seamless segue. Seamless. <laughs> if you don't know how games get to you, then they get mostly shipped around the world on gigantic boats. And one transport ship, the one Apis, has encountered a violent storm while en route from China to the US, dislodging and damaging about 15 to 25% of shipping containers aboard. Uh, why are we talking about this on a board game podcast? Well, it turns out that amongst some of those containers were some board games. Publisher Asmadi Games uh, have recently informed backers for the Good Puppers Kickstarter that their games may well be en route to the bottom of the ocean. Chris Chislek, Asmadi's lead designer, has told backers that they won't know the extent of the damage for another two weeks, but they have asked their factory to rush a new print run to meet fulfillment. Hopefully they've got some insurance and that kind of thing to cover this kind of eventuality. He additionally said, usually goods get loaded onto a ship at a port and then that ship crosses the ocean, unloading those goods at a different port. This is a long-standing tradition and has worked well throughout human history. 2020, innovative year that it is, decided, what if we try unloading the goods in the middle of the trip? Now that's what I've apparently been heard as a 200 IQ big brain gamer move. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Transport news website The Lodestar, which I'm delighted to know exists, Notes that this may be the biggest loss of shipping containers since 2013, and I think I saw a picture of this online as well, where basically there's a bunch of massive, massive crate cargo crates basically higgledy-piggledy across this boat, and uh, obviously quite a few missing. I think it's just worth noting, especially with, well, for, uh, for us in the UK, Brexit on the horizon, and a general sort of misunderstanding as far as I'm concerned amongst the public about how things get to them. This is how stuff gets to you. Most of the stuff we buy is made in China, and shipped in gigantic ships across oceans. And it takes a, quite a long time for that to happen. And sometimes things go horribly wrong. Yep. So be nice to people when you can't get stuff that you want. Absolutely. I think it's also worth just clarifying, because we're in an audible format, we're talking about Asmadi, A-S-M-I, A-S-M-A-D-I games, rather than Asmadi yep. games. Yes, indeed. Uh, they are also the publishers of One Deck Dungeon. Uh, so that, that was their uh, sort of big game that brought them to the sort of attention of a lot of people. I uh, will bring you more on that as uh, it gets updated. Uh, we'll maybe have we update on the next cast if there's more to say about that. Anyway, that's enough of the headlines. Let's get on to the news. Mm-hmm. 
Mr. Shantler, bring us an update from the vast past of the Brainwaves podcast before you were even on. Yes, before I was born back in episode 20, the start of 2019, <laughs> we reported on Netflix being sued over their interactive episode of Black Mirror called Bandersnatch. Viewers in, of this episode could choose different options at certain points in the narrative, leading to different outcomes. Effectively, it was a choose-your-own-adventure game, which we can't say, otherwise we'll get sued. Well, ChooseCo owned the rights to the term choose-your-own-adventure and sued Netflix for infringing its trademark. Netflix countersued, trying to make the courts remove the trademark. The case has now been settled, but the terms have not been made public. And ChooseCo retains the license to choose your own adventure. I mean, thank goodness we didn't say choose your own adventure. Thank goodness, not even once. Uh, Ian, I believe you have some opinions on the name of this company. Yes, and if you'd like to turn to page 56, my opinion is... I mean, it's a lazy bit of naming, isn't it? <laughs> we on the trade, we on the trademark to choose your own adventure. I wonder what we should call our company. I know, <laughs> for a company what? whose entire thing is making interesting decisions, they really just sell page one straight in. That's us. That's. I mean, maybe they don't make interesting decisions. Maybe they write down a bunch of decisions and then choose randomly which path to go down. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say, Ian, for your little comment there, I was gonna say you, you really messed that up, man. Because if you, if you want, uh, if you want a good response, turn to page fifty-three, and if you want a bad response, turn to page three hundred and thirty. Or is in the fighting fantasy, fighting fantasy books always, if you want a strange thing, turn to page sixty-three. If you want the end of the book, turn to page four hundred. Da da. Well then. Am I gonna am I gonna be thrown off the podcast by saying I've never actually played a choose your own adventure or fighting fantasy game book? I've looked at them a number of times and gone, this is boring. And, yes, you uh, when, are I, when I was younger. Goodbye. I mean, Bye, it's guys. definitely going to go in your performance report. I mean, yeah, I don't. I, this is when I was like twelve or thirteen. I'd like yeah. to point. I mean, out. I, I I loved them, and I ran the first role playing game I ran was the advanced fighting fantasy stuff, which I still have. Um, My parents. That, that, that was kind of interesting stuff because it had a lot of the sort of plot and scene and more filmy kind of stuff that came from indie RPGs much, much later. My parents explicitly limited me to one fighting fantasy novel a week from the library. Otherwise, I would literally come away with a stack of fighting fantasy novels and no other <laughs> books. <laughs> anyway, moving on, let's hear about a new convention, sort of, coming to a screen near you. Now, by the time you're listening to this, you will have just missed Dragon Meat, which is considered the last of the the UK conventions of the year. Uh, Now, they confirmed uh, a wee while ago they would not be going ahead with their in-person convention, obviously due to coronavirus restrictions and lockdowns. But instead, a new online convention was live um, the previous weekend, which started on the 5th of December. Now, Dragon Meat uh, partnered with Modifius to run ModCon, which involves panel shows, game discussions, and live-streamed games on Modifius's Twitch channel from the 3rd to the 6th of December. Now, I haven't been watching it, I'm afraid I've been quite busy, but it is, it's still going on, and it's still going to be going on from the time I'm recording this, so maybe you saw something before you listened to the podcast. If so, how was it? Was it good? Tell us, please. Um, additionally, Dragon Meat panels will run throughout the day on Saturday, December the 5th, so if you saw one, tell us how it was. Now, Dragon Meat had hoped their late timing in the year would mean coronavirus restrictions would allow the convention to have gone ahead. However, that fails to take into account human beings. I was about to do a link to the next story, but Ian has beat me to it with a fantastic one. Off you go, Ian. From Dragon Meat to Dungeons & Dragons. Ian. 
That's why we pay you in donuts. Oh yes, you're getting paid. Over the last sort of year or so, Wizards have come under a lot of fire for sort of representation and diversity in D&D and their lack of progress in this regard. Basically, it's been taken up by the community to push that agenda. And we've spoken about things like the combat wheelchair over the last few casts as well. Recently, they have released a new supplement called Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which allows players to create characters without the inclusion of specific traits previously attached to races, trying to address some of the sort of racial problems that are within D&D. They have, however, recently stated that the steps they are taking to improve problematic elements of race in D&D are going to take years to fully implement. Wizards of the Coast acknowledged earlier in the year that D&D races have been drawn from harmful stereotypes in the past and pledged to improve the issue. Uh, Jeremy Crawford, Principal Rules Designer and Lead Designer on the D&D 5th Edition Players Handbook, spoke to Dicebreaker about the issues. And he said, We don't consider what we're doing in Tasha's Cauldron to be the end of our work in this regard. It's actually part of a much broader set of steps we're taking, which are really going to take several years to fully implement as we change how we treat some aspects of the game. Now, I can kind of understand that, like, to wholesale change how race has been addressed in D&D in the past is going to take maybe the next edition of D&D, like 6th edition, whenever that appears, to fully address but considering the amount of flack that Wizards have been taking this year PR-wise, considering all the lawsuits they've been involved with and various sort of problems within the company and within the products, this seems like a PR misstep to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I reckon it's an easy on goal. The press, the press they're getting at the moment is they're making racial improvements, but they're going to take years. Whereas yeah. this isn't the u.s senate we're talking about doing racial justice yeah you don't need to get anything passed you can just write some stuff and put it out there (laughs) i get that they're a multi-million dollar or even possibly billion dollar enterprise that produces things via books which is probably the slowest way to do things but they also have online supplements they have like you can patch things this is just a very, very slow process where they they need to be smooth and quick. Certain parts of the community are rabid for this kind of change, and they will produce stuff. And you could just simply encourage them to yep. to do that. You could bring those people on board. You could. There's multiple things you could do to show that you care. And instead, they're going like, "Oh, this is going to take ages." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't have right. a solution good, right now. Good job. Yep. It should change. It really should change. But from what they seem to be doing recently, it is they want to focus, not so much focus group everything, they want to try it before they put out as official material. If you look at the amount that they've put out in Unearthed Arcana, a lot of this stuff, maybe not the racial modifier change was put out, a lot of that's been put out and like kind of play tested by the, pop- the general populace before it's been put into any serious books. So it may be that they're wanting to like trial different things and see how the community will take to it rather than going this is the one thing you need to do with that being said like you said you know they they have the ability to do this this is wizards of the coast we're talking about this is not a a small independent company it should change and i'm saying it should change quickly what i'm also saying is looking at how they've done it uh, before with other you know things other subclasses other ideas this is not a new thing, and I think they're wanting to make sure they're doing it right, which is one of the reasons why I was saying it's, t- it's going to be years before they do it. 
But at least this is a small but significant step. Yes, it is not what we expected, but it is a damn sight better than what we've had. Uh, And uh, in complete uh, speculation side of things... Hold on a sec, Ian. uh, Hold on a sec, Ian. Speculation corner. Well, I'm surprised by that, as you are, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, So, uh, in complete speculation, Wizards are maybe being prepped for a sale. Uh, Scott Thorne of geek business news site ICV2, very good site where we get quite a lot of our stories from, has speculated that Hasbro may be prepping to sell Wizards of the Coast. He noted that Hasbro has reorganized Wizards of the Coast board games to the parent company. Wizards of the Coast are breaking long-standing contracts. See the Dragonlance books and Gale Force 9 stories we've talked about in the last couple of casts. And that also the Asmodee sale in 2018 provides private equity firms as viable options for industry giants like Wizards of the Coast. So, yeah. Maybe like a lot of the moves that are happening around Wizards right now, a lot of their sort of legal troubles are about them being about to be sold. I mean, this kind of speculation comes around all the time with companies. And especially, as we've talked about several times over the course of this year, as gaming grows, outside interests are going to look at gaming and go, we'd like a piece of that action. So, yeah, who knows? I reckon the lawsuits are actually a point against it rather than a point for it. Because if you're selling a big company or selling anything, then what people are buying it, especially investors and private equity firms, are going to be looking at is security and return on investment. And having open lawsuits that are unsecure is just risk. No, again, this is pure speculation. Pure speculation. We're wildly into speculation corner. I love it. Wildly. Every now and again. It's in, it's interesting to stick the proverbial finger up and see which way the wind is blowing. And if that is the way, at least, I mean, that is one person in one website is saying that. Ian, talking about companies that have been up to no good, Night Games have been bungling responses on Twitter. Yes, Night Games have very much come under fire for the response during their Harry Potter miniatures Kickstarter. Harry Potter catch the snitch. Yes. For broader context, Harry Potter series author J.K. Rowling, in case you have been living under a rock, has been engaged in significant controversy this year after supporting hateful, transphobic Twitter accounts and released a scientifically inaccurate manifesto, which includes noted transphobic dog whistles. Night Games, who are running a Quidditch miniatures Kickstarter, presumably had something to say about this. When they were asked by a backer how royalties were being paid to J.K. Rowling, and if the company planned to donate to any trans charities, Night Games replied with a comment that they do not enter the debate. Then they entered the debate to state they are not interested in criminalising a person for totally interpretable, specific statements. This statement has predictably met with a generally poor reception. That's a company desperately in need of a PR manager. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> You've got to have known that that question was going to be asked. Yeah. They've had trouble already with this Kickstarter, quite apart from this not this stupidity. The, fir- the Kickstarter, first of all, got cancelled because the first go at it didn't raise the money they thought they would as quickly as they thought it would, like they cancelled after two days. But also, they had Harry Potter on the cover of the, bo- of the box. That miniature was not in the box. <laughs> At least in the core game, no. At least yeah. in the core game. It's like, yeah, good job, guys. I mean, their history with the Harry Potter franchise is not good. The Harry Potter Battles game they did got all sorts of weird deliveries and wasn't received very well critically and generally didn't 
do very well. So yeah, yeah, and yeah, you've got to know that that question's going to be asked, considering the the context of this year, and to not have a an answer for it that wasn't awful, it's just kind of shocking. <laughs> yeah, it's the danger of, uh, you know, using a well known intellectual property as you know as part of your game and the you know controversy surrounding the author or yeah. around the ip itself things like lovecraft is another prime example yeah, yeah. only lovecraft yeah. is in the ground and presumably not making any more nasty statements he made plenty of them enough well i've got life questions you want to talk about because if you look at like uh, like the arkham horror game which i absolutely adore Really, you've never mentioned it, Ian. Did you write a Did you write a guide, perhaps, for it that people might want to I look did at? Did write it. a very successful guide to that. Yes, <laughs> the the, be, the best beginner's guide in the world. I think you'll find. Uh, so says Ian McAllister. Of course. So says any Google search you do. So oh, there. nice. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one to think about because the, the Arkham Horror the card the card game, especially, and actually the Arkham Horror files in general for the Fantasy Flight properties are very, very good at representation despite Lovecraft being a horrible misogynist and racist. They basically subvert the fact that he was a horrible human being, much as they sort of like take from his oeuvre to make games. Like they actually subvert the fact that he was a horrible racist and misogynist by including such diverse characters in their games, which is really cool. Yep. Anyway, Jamie took from fantasy magicians to real life magicians. Absolutely... (laughs) Bonafide, real-life <laughs> wizards. Not going to lie to everybody here. I think we've been saving the best story of the Fortnite till till last. And this story is about Yuri Geller, a man described by Wikipedia as a self-proclaimed psychic, has withdrawn his 20-year feud with the Pokemon company. Now, 20 years ago, if you cast your minds back... Yuri Geller filed a lawsuit alleging Nintendo had used his name and signature spoon-bending ability when they created the Pokemon (laughs) Kadabra, also known as Jungerer in Japanese. Now, I'm pronouncing that wrong. My apologies. My Japanese is not up to uh, speed. By that, I mean non-existent. The lawsuit has been ongoing for the last 20 years, with the sole effect that Kadabra has not appeared in the printed card game or anime series during that time. Now, Yuri himself posted a tweet recently that retracted his lawsuit on November... Uh, this is on November 28th, by the way. And he apologised, claimed the car would now be rare, and plugged his website. And his, his tweet is, I am truly sorry for what I did 20 years ago. Kids and grown-ups, I am releasing the ban. It's now all up to Nintendo to bring my Kadabra Pokemon card back. It will probably be one of the rarest cards now. Much energy and love to all. Now, neither Nintendo nor the Pokemon company, which, in case you didn't realise, is a completely separate company that has been created to deal solely with the world's largest uh, selling franchise. Uh, None of them have commented on Geller's claims. I love this. (laughs) I mean, I, I think Yuri Geller is a massive, massive fraud. How dare you? Total he helped, he helped Scotland win the football game against Serbia. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that video, Ian. It may have been posted about half an hour after the game, which he could have rewinded the game and done it. But either way, I'm not disputing that. What I'm saying is he helped Scotland win. If you look at that video, you will clearly see what he did. Well, that's definitive proof. And if, you, if you'd actually like to see a bit about Yuri Geller and his fight with a, a fantastic gentleman called James Randi, 
who was a magician who went under the amazing randy and then was later a sort of debunker of psychics and telepathy and basically sort of like a a sort of professional skeptic effectively then i urge you to seek out the documentary called an honest liar it's a fantastic documentary fascinating insight into an amazing life and uh, he had an amazing feud with yuri geller I'm it not, was just we're not, fantastic. The Brainwaves podcast is not saying that Yuri Geller is a fraud. What we are sell, saying... I'm saying he's a fraud. <laughs> Ian is saying he's a fraud. So if you want to have any issues with it, please send it to Ian McAllister, who funnily enough runs... Uh, his Twitter is at the giant brain. Uh, anyway, this story is brilliant. Pure because coincidence. It's, because it's more Pokemon and it's 20 years and I didn't realise Kadabra had not been in the Pokemon card game or Amusers for that time, which means that we've been denied the glory of Alakazam and Abra. I do love that the tweet said, my Pokemon card. That speaks volumes. To be fair, fair, he didn't realise apparently at first and was mobbed by uh, kids like saying, I'm not going to repeat it, the Japanese name for for Kadabra at him while waving the Pokemon card. He didn't realise. And now he knows. And then he knew it was. Now, some people are saying there was been this huge deluge of emails to him. Like a, like a tremendous volume of emails, <laughs> uh, which prompted him to to basically change. I it. mean, knowing Yuri Geller, that means a solitary email from his publicist. Ha! <laughs> that I get. Uh, how? How very probably. Uh, yeah. If you know, anyone, it's it's tw- it's twenty years. Just before we move off, if you're interested in just a nice, relaxed reading then the controversy section of his Wikipedia page is glorious. It's... I'm sure it's extensive. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ian McAllister, we'll go over to you for the end of the show. It's before we uh, get to the inevitable Monopoly news. We'd just like to give a little shout out to all our patrons. Thank you so much for your support of the year. It's meant a lot to us. And especially to our executive producers, the Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe, gone but not forgotten, and Sean Newman of the Game Lot team. And this cast, we'd also like to give a wee shout out to a friend of the cast, former guest, James Naylor, who's an all-round nice chap and has been training over lockdown to become a mental health first aider. James recently tweeted that he's offering his service to those who may be suffering through these strange times. So uh, we'll put a link to James's Twitter in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in contact with James for a chat or to talk about mental health, then please do so. He is very much uh, offering his services in that regard. Fantastic thing for him to do. Thank you very much, James. If you'd like to help us out and the cast, then you can do so for only $1 a month from our Patreon page. We'll obviously put a link to that. And if you go to our support page, you can find a variety of other ways to support us, direct donations, also links to a variety of Amazon affiliate links, and also Metallic Dice Games, who we're now affiliated with, who do very, very nice metal dice sets. And if you put in the code ROLLWITHBRAINS, that's all capital letters, all one word, uh, you'll get a bit of discount and we'll get a little cut as well. So uh, I think you might be able to get just get them in time for Christmas now, but uh, do check their site out. Uh, Jamie, anyway, you've got double Monopoly. Oh, double it's, Monopoly. A, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I have not one but two pieces of Monopoly news for you. This audience. is why Craig left, isn't it? it two is pieces why Craig left. Now, <clears throat> he doesn't like it. I'm, I'm going. To, I'm. I'm. Be warning. Fair warning. I'm going to do an accent. 
No, you never do those. <laughs> Avast, scallywags, there be gold in them there seas. Prepare to drop the mainsail and plot a course for the Sea of Thieves. Monopoly edition. That's right, based on Rare's MMO nautical shenanigan-em-up Sea of Thieves, which, as I've said a few times before, I have been playing a lot this year. I actually got E&M into it as well. Uh, R. R. Uh, yes, we have. You know, It'll be washing up on our shores in January. You can, can take control of either a compass, a treasure chest, a skull, a statue, which is the Ingram Shroudbreaker uh, item, or a galleon and battle for control of islands on which to place shops and taverns. It's Monopoly, but pirates are. And also for fans of the video game, it also includes DLC for a golden parrot. The parrots do nothing except sit around. You can put them on your wrist and they're very cute. I have one called Eric. He is a good boy. He's a very good boy. He's a very good boy. Um, but, but Jamie, what? enough about pirates. Throw up the horns. The horns. <laughs> so metal, so cool. Now, see if these might be shiny. But nothing else matters for Monopoly news this fortnight. We have the second collaboration between Monopoly and Metallica with Monopoly Metallica World Tour Edition. Based on the 2013 Whiplash Tour, where Metallica became the first and only band to play all seven continents. Now, Metallabucks will get you adding arenas and stadiums to cities as you guide either Lady Justice from And Justice for All album, Death Magnetic Coffin from Death Magnetic. Ride the Lightning Electric Chair from Ride the Lightning. Masters of Puppet Cross from Master of Puppets. Metal Up Your Ass Toilet from Metal Up Your Ass. And The Scary <laughs> Guy from I'm not too sure, to be honest. Around the board, around cities, around continents. And I could come up with more Metallica puns, but I can't even think of one. Sad but true. And if you'd like to suggest puns for our next podcast, then please do write in. <laughs> to Jamie, please. Or subscribe to our new sister cast, Pun Waves, which is half an hour of egregious puns. It's just Jamie on his own saying puns for 30 minutes. It's not got a lot of listeners. No. Anyway, Ian, take us home. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. If you liked what you listened to, and I don't blame you if you don't, then the best way to help us is to share the podcast and drop us a rating and review on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Giant Brain, Instagram, Giant Brain UK, Facebook, The Giant Brain, website, giantbrain.co.uk, and email all of those terrible, terrible puns to giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I've been Ian. Ian's also been Ian. Indeed. And Jamie's been Jamie. Unfortunately. Good night. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>